Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome in, Loon's fans, to another week of Loon Talk. Jonathan Harrison here alongside Dan Terhard. Dan, how you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing all right. How you doing? I can't complain. Uh, we teased in the broadcast, at the end of the broadcast on Saturday, an epic rant from you. Do you have it ready? Don't go with it yet because we've still got some housekeeping to do, but are you, you ready know, for I've it? Calmed, I've calmed down a lot since Saturday. <laughs> I'll, try and wor- I'll try and work it back up again, though. You'll try and warm up the, the hot take pipes? Yeah, we'll try and get we'll try and get a, get a little bit uh, upset again if I can. So. All right, before we jump into that, let's get some housekeeping out of the way once again. You are listening to Loon Talk. We do greatly appreciate you listening and record or downloading every single week. Uh, make sure to give us a rating, a review, and a subscription wherever you get your podcasts. Also, do tell a friend who follows the Loons or follows MLS that this is a thing. We would like the listenership and uh, the subscription, so it does help us get found. Dan, let's jump right into it. A disappointing is the easy way week, uh, easy way of saying it week for the Loons. They lose to Union Omaha. On Wednesday in the U.S. Open Cup, and this time it was on Wednesday, was not separated by 15 hours uh, into Thursday. It was a Wednesday match, yeah. and then there was the one nil <laughs> loss on Saturday to NYCFC. Uh, before we get into any of the matches, Dan, let's jump right into the rant. Let's jump right into what was aggravating us during the broadcast. Uh, I'll no, let you start, sir. There's so many things. I mean, are we going to talk about the referee? Are we going to talk about the fact that pe- that flopping is turning into a, a epidemic, a plague in the league? Or are we going to talk about the fact that somebody signed off on uniforms where the numbers and the spot, not only the numbers, but the sponsor's name, the player's name, everything <laughs> is – is not legible unless you're standing two feet in front of them. Which one yeah. do you want to start with? Well, let's that start with one? the jerseys because that's the been jerseys. a it's it's been a growing talking point, thankfully, because we talked about it as we were sitting in the broadcast booth and we we're like, this is going to be miserable because of course it was the away team, the team that we're not familiar with on the faces that yes. had the more the more illegible jerseys. Minnesota's jerseys, if you're watching on the TV broadcast, could at times come out grainy. But when oh, we were there in person, they looked a little bit better, but it was still red on blue. And it was just, why is this a thing? Why is this happening? But the New York City FC jerseys, and this keep in mind, this was the, the parlay jersey week where they they make a big initiative mm-hmm. uh, to clean up the ocean and they use the ocean plastic to make the jerseys. Great initiative. I appreciate that. But there has to be. There has to be a better way to do this than putting peach lettering on white jerseys in the middle of the afternoon when the sun is blazing on it. Because even in person, as you said, unless you were standing right on the field, two feet away from the player, you could not tell what the hell lettering or numbering or the sponsor even was. I'm sure the sponsors loved that idea. You couldn't couldn't read a thing. I'm, I'm in the, you know, we have a great, press box location at Allianz Field. Yeah. Um, and with binoculars, I could not read the numbers on their sh- legs of their shorts or on their back unless they were standing still. That's with binoculars. So the purpose of having numbers is for the fans and for the broadcasters, obviously, and for the coaches. Uh, the name on the shirt, you know. And for, for the, the refs. And for the referees. 
And uh, the sponsors pay good money to be on the front of those jerseys. I don't know how you can cons- – you want to be considered a major sport. You want to be considered a major league in this country. You want people to consider you right along with Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL. And then you come out with these jerseys. A great cause, fine, I have no problem with the cause. But you, you, you somebody in, that, in the MLS office signed off on these – jerseys and whoever it is they're not qualified to be making those decisions no nope. it, it, it was horrible i've never seen such a thing um you could have uh taken some t-shirts at the concession stand gotten some white athletic tape and taped numbers on them it would have been better it, yeah. it, it's it's just embarrassing and i'm surprised that there isn't more of an outcry about it from the fans even they couldn't yeah. read the fans in the stadium couldn't read those not a chance. No. And I've never Not heard a of someone wanting peach lettering on their white jersey ever. So I don't know who you're marketing that particular jersey to, who you're trying to get to buy that jersey. But I mean, <laughs> that color combination doesn't work just from an aesthetic point. But also, <laughs> as you said, from from just a broadcasting point, from our perspective, it's impossible, especially if you don't know the players. Like, if you're the New York City broadcast, fine. You know the players. You know what they look like. That's fine. But imagine if we were doing the broadcast like we do for road games. If Minnesota was on the road for this one, Minnesota mm-hmm. had the white on peach. We wouldn't have been able to tell who was who because the TV broadcast, so you, barely, you already have a trouble enough uh, yeah. depicting no, no or figuring out who's who. And now you're, the jerseys don't tell you the numbers either because someone in a league office or – the Adidas headquarters somewhere decided, ah, let's go peach lettering on that white jersey. That's a that's a genius idea. It's going to look clean. I don't care about clean look if I can't tell what the player is. And by the way, calling it peach almost is – you're really not serving the purpose. This was more of a soft pastel peach. It wasn't even a real peach. It was ridiculous. And, and, and yeah. so here's the problem. Here's the problem. If you're going to say, no, we care more about the cause, we care more about – um, yeah. style and 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 more than we do about the broadcast. If they, if they they don't care, well, guess what? The NFL and the other leagues in this country care about the TV broadcast yep. and and put a priority on making sure that they're done properly. And it can't be done if they continue to do that. There are even some regular season. And by the way, there's some regular season uniforms we've run into that are almost as bad. Yeah. And those shouldn't be allowed either. No, There's got to be a standard. I know they have standard for the size of the numbers that have to be on the back of the jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to not have a standard as far as color combinations and, needy, and it needs to be legible, is it's just absolutely it's ridiculous. I, I have never in – I've covered a lot of sports, uh, done play-by-play in just about every sport there is and at, all, at every level from high school up. And I don't think I don't think a high school league would let someone put those colors together because the parents would have. First of all, parents would have a fit. Yeah. We know how parents can get. They wouldn't put up with that. So uh, I don't know. Maybe there were some of the players' parents in the stands that will bring it to their attention. But I, I, all I can say after you know being getting over it and realized, okay. You know, I did the best I could with those with those horrible uh, uniforms. Is it's just kind of embarrassing now. Yeah. You know, if people don't know what we're talking about, go back and pull up some video from any of the games over the weekend 
and take a look. It was unbelievably, it was just inexcusably bad. Well, that's also the thing. Like, what I'll get to this. I'll get to it in a moment. But like, just the the idea of having everybody wear the same jerseys and trying to do highlights is. We'll get to that in a moment. But just <laughs> going back to your 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 comment yeah. about TV broadcasts in a year when you're trying to get the biggest TV contract that you've ever had as a league, and you're struggling to do it, and you wonder yeah. why. This is probably one of those <laughs> things. Like it was like, unwatchable. Yeah. yeah, it's unwatchable because you can't tell who's who on the field. Like, yeah. if you don't watch the league regularly, you have no idea what those jerseys are. It just looks like a bunch of dudes running around with white shirts <laughs> and white shorts. It. Why would you do that? There's there as you mentioned. There's standards across many leagues. The Premier League became what it is because they had strict standards about what the field looked like, the color of the grass, the color of the contrast on the TV broadcast. They right. went super hyper focused on what the broadcast would look like to the point where. If there's empty seats on the stands where the the TV is showing or the camera is showing the stands, that the people who are on the camera side have to move over, fans have to move over, they have to fill in those seats first before they fill in the seats on the camera side. They went hyper-focused on it, and look where it's gotten them. They have the biggest mm-hmm. TV contract in all of sports. It, it's, it's the biggest league in the world, not just because of the playing standards, but because everything is so well taken care of in the Premier League. And then you get to the NFL where they have shoulder numbers because broadcasters need to know the players. Like all these things are thought of for TV purposes. And if you want a new TV deal that's going to be massive for your league, this is one of those things you have to think about. This is one of those things that has to be at the forefront of your mind is the jersey and the color combinations. I know it's it's a small thing, but it's a, it also but, ends up being a big thing. It's not it's not a small thing. Um, right. You know, and, and the MLS tried in many ways – to replicate Premier League soccer, there is no advertising. There is no. There are no logos. You know, in America, uh, the first thing I expected the first time I, I went to a TCF Bank Stadium was a giant logo. You know, look at the right. NFL. Their logos now are about thirty-five yards wide, and nothing. They say, "No, we're keeping it clean. No, because uh, sp- no sponsors would pay a lot of money to have their uh, their logos painted on the pitch anywhere." Mm-hmm. Uh, they said no. And you go, okay, you know, they're, they're trying to, and then here's, I keep thinking, it keeps bothering me in the back of my mind that this is, that there's one person at the MLS league offices that made this decision. And, and again, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe it was a committee. Maybe it was, maybe the owners got, I don't know who, who made the decision, but I have the feeling it's one person. And when they finally figure out who that person is and that they're making these bad decisions, they'll probably be gone because it's just, it's, it's embarrassing. And as you said, trying to get a TV contract that would be, I would say league changing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If they get it league changing and, and it'll put them, as I mentioned earlier, they want to be considered a major league sport like the other four big sports in this country, this TV contract would go uh, take a big step in that direction for them. And, and somebody apparently is making just, just awful decisions in this department. So um, I don't know. I I just, it's again, I just come back to how embarrassing that was. and, And it may not seem like a big deal to people that maybe don't, Maybe, you know, maybe if you're watching at home, you're just listening and don't care if, right. you know, you know who's identified and you just want to watch. That's fine. 
But it's someone that really watches, especially at the stadium, and they want to see their favorite player, and they're going, is that uh, – no, who's that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. But so. also, like, from that standpoint, if you're trying to bring in the casuals and you want them to know who the players are, like you have Tati Castellanos on the field, and he's one of the hottest goal scorers in the league, one of the best goal scorers in the league, and he's probably going to be sold upwards of <laughs> double-digit million dollars this summer in a couple months – you would like the people, the casual uh, fan to know, oh, that's that guy. He's that number. Or right. he's who that is because I can tell because the jersey, I can read the name on the back of the jersey. And you have casuals mm-hmm. coming in. They're like, I have no idea who any of these guys are. How am I supposed to know if I can't tell who the jersey what the jersey says? Like, come on. We got to think this through. And then going back to the point of the highlights, you go back and watch a highlight from this weekend. They all look the same because every team wore the same Every game had the same color co- or jersey combination. It's like mm-hmm. I get the point. Again, I get the point of the the charitable foundation for this, but there has to be a better way to do this. All right, we spent thirteen yeah. minutes on that. I think that's I'm exhausted. Bit, <laughs> it's a little bit too much. Let's get on to some more depressing news. Uh, the Loons lose to Union Omaha, a League Three side in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, plenty of shots taken afterwards in the press about. Who's at fault for what? Uh, it's became a dicey situation there. I mean, plenty of comments were made in the the post match press conference that you could read into if you wanted to. And then the loons go out and follow that up with a one nil loss at home to New York City FC in the first half. They looked absolutely miserable. They did not look like a team that deserved to be on the field with New York City FC. And then the second half was a little bit better. They looked like they actually we're trying in the second half and we're putting in efforts and we're getting chances at goal. But the first half had just taken so much out of them that it was too hard to get back into the game. And New York city showed their absolute class on Saturday night. Yeah. New York city was, uh, they were very impressed. I don't even want to talk about I don't want to talk about losing to Omaha. No. And in fact, I'm, I'm almost a little bit glad because I just really wanted them to get beyond that and focus on the MLS. I am not, I'm not the I'm not a believer that a a a mid-season tournament trophy is going to help this franchise in the future. I think it's all about the MLS and competing for the MLS Cup. So, uh yeah, okay, goodbye Omaha. Good luck Omaha. Um your owls. Yeah. Um but New York City is really good. Yeah, um absolutely. seeing them not a, not been able to identify the players was a problem, but Seeing the talent on the field, whoever those guys were, um, were was very impressive. Um, my other takeaway on New York City uh, on that match, besides the fact that they are very good and and they're, you know, to me they're they should be the favorite to win the MLS Cup again just because they're defending champs and uh, they they should be the hands down favorite. Uh, I thought that the second half for Minnesota was actually very good. Yeah. I I really. Don't have a problem lose. I mean, it would have been really nice to get a get a point out of that. Um, and you're never satisfied losing at home. But uh, the way they played that second half against uh, what I think is the best team in the league, I thought that was I thought that was really good. I yeah, really did. Times, I was really happy with the way they played. Yeah, at times Minnesota had pinned New York City back in that second half, and were really controlling play and getting really dangerous attacking chances. We can talk about why that is in a second. But yeah, I think if there's if there's any positives to be had out of a one nil loss, it's that you in the second half, you really took it to a New York city side. That is not only the defending MLS cup champs, 
but are the hottest team in the league, winning, I think, what, it's seven of their last nine league matches and then nine of their last 11 matches in all competitions combined. Like, mm-hmm. it's an absolutely informed team. And the other note, Tati Castellanos, as I mentioned, seven goals in the previous five games ahead of the Minnesota match, was held scoreless on Saturday. You kept, once again, your defense yeah. kept another incredibly hot goal scorer off the score sheet. And this is a thing that's been happening for this team dating back to about the midway point of last season where they'll go up against a really hot goal scorer and they'll completely shut them out of a game. Like the defensive plan for this team always seems to be set up right unless it's against Seattle. Um, but yeah, it, the defensive plan sets up well. It's just the offensive side, unfortunately, continues to let them down. But this week, the offense at least, was looking incredibly dangerous in that second half. Yeah, so, you know, that's why I can't be, uh, you know, up in arms about losing that match. Um, And you're absolutely right. Um, You know, show me another team that shuts down, you know, top the top. You know, we may not have a top striker in this league, but we know how to handle them. Um, If we ever find the right guy going against his defense, he'd have to get very good in training. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe in training. Going against our defense, they all just lose their confidence and they <laughs> and, and they can't and they don't they, they they lose their compete level. I don't know, but um, so I think you know you 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 got to look at the big picture with this squad. Okay, what are they capable of? Are they capable of making the playoffs? Yes, I have no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, are they capable of making a deep run? Not as long as they're not, you know, and not until they find a way to score a few more uh, consistent goals. And, you know, when will that happen? I don't know. Um, maybe not this year. Maybe it'll happen. But um, they, we know that, and, and I've said this many times, I have confidence this team because they're in every match. They were in that match and, you know, we're a goal away from, you know, getting a result against the defending champs. So um, they're in every match. Score. They don't have to score a lot of goals if your, your defense is that good. Um, look at New York City. They got, what, a pair of 1-0 wins last week. Um, yeah. But that's that's a championship team. And and so um, your defense keeps you in it. You got to find a way to score goals. I personally would stop experimenting with anybody else up top and just go with Robin Load the rest of the year. He'll probably end up being a, uh, you know, 15-goal scorer if you do. And okay. I don't think you get it. I don't think you're gonna get 15 goals combined out of the other guys. So, well, that brings up the question then: Is that in the second half they moved away from Robin Lode being up top? They brought out Bang Hukle Longwane, who didn't really have the greatest of games against New York City FC. You can say that pretty confidently. Franco Fragapane didn't have a great game either. Uh, so they bring out those two guys in the second half at at different points, and they bring in the two designated players that were sitting on the bench and put them in different in their different positions. Luis Amaria up top as the number nine. Robin Lode moved at times was in the middle as the number ten with Emmanuel Reynoso out right, and then uh, Adrian Nunu out at out on the left. It, they were doing some different things with the, how those guys lined up. Uh, so if you're gonna move, if you're gonna keep Robin Lode up top. And they looked more dangerous against New York City with Robin Lode in the attacking three behind the striker. What do you do going forward then? Because I would say if your wings aren't working with Robin Lode up top, it just hasn't worked, unfortunately, for the wings. Yes, you're getting goals out of Robin Lode as a striker, but you're kind of taking away from your wingers uh, by taking him out of there and putting him up top and putting on guys who probably shouldn't be playing game in and game out 90 minutes at a time. So what do you do then? Do you... I think I would go back to either 
For me, personally, I would go to Audrey Nunu because he he's looked the more confident of the two designated players. Has he? Point, I, I can't. I haven't seen much of a difference. You you think well, that Adrian's looked more? I just I just haven't seen much difference between Luisa Maria and Adrian Nunu to to want either one more than the other. Well, I mean, at this point, Luisa Maria when he took his first shot. Five minutes into the second half, that was his first shot in 190 minutes. Yeah. First shot, not shot on target. Yeah, yeah. First shot. Right. That's a yeah, that's a right. that's a sign of a not uh, not very confident striker. A guy, uh, he's your designated player. He's your DP number nine, and he hadn't shot the dang ball on a soccer pitch in an MLS match in 190 minutes. That's a guy who's too nervous or too much in his head about what he's doing, and he's just trying to do too many different things. You saw it a couple times against New York on Saturday. He was trying to do these chess passes, and I appreciate being a good teammate. But just turn mm-hmm. around and take the dang shot. Like yeah. you have a, you have you. There was a perfect chance for him to take the ball down and just turn around and fire it, and just try and get a goal past Sean Johnson, who got his eighth clean sheet of the season. I mean, he's the best goal. He's either the best or the second best goalkeeper in the league. However, you want to think of Dane St. Clair. Uh, but yeah, I mean. There's been a couple times where Luis Amaria stepped on the field and you're just like, he's not confident. He's doing he's not doing what a striker should in taking a shot. He's passing it too much. Whereas Audrey Nunu, when he gets on the field in the U.S. Open Cup, when he's allowed to play there, uh, he at least scores goals. He finds a way to get on net and score goals and take the shots. And he's getting in these dangerous areas that are asking a lot of questions of defenses where Luis Amaria just hasn't been doing that this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you... You want your you want your striker to be he's got to be a little selfish, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's his job. His job is to score goals, and you'd rather have your striker have twenty goals and zero assists than than have him ten goals and ten assists. Because if he's dishing off the ball and that's what he wants to be, he's in the wrong position. You know, his job is to put as many balls on net as he can and score. And 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 um, I just uh, yeah, it's very frustrating when. And he's done that before at times where you're thinking your brain is going, shoot, shoot it, let her go, yeah. let her rip, let her rip. And then he tries a little quick little pass. And it's like, well, that's, and, and we all like unselfish players. You've got to have them. But in my mind, with that position, with a team that is so, this coaching staff has got to be telling these, these four, these strikers, the three of them, four of them, whoever you're counting is that uh, being a number nine. That you know, we need you to score goals. Nothing else. There, there's nothing else. You need to score goals, and then you'll be in the lineup. It's that simple. I don't think there's any secrets to what's going on behind the scenes here. You get you score goals, you're in. You don't score goals, you're out. And then to have the mindset that uh, you know what, I'm going to give up this chance and I'm going to pass it. It's like what? What are you? Th- what What are you doing? Do you not want to play? I mean, okay. I just how- I just I just thought of this, and tell me if this is crazy. And it's perfectly fine if it is, and it's just something that came to my mind here. Uh, after watching the New York game on Saturday and how they set up those guys when they brought everybody on and just were throwing everything at the wall. And so Audrey Nunu, when he's played for the team in the U.S. Open Cup matches, and sometimes when he's played for MNUFC2, he's been lining up in, as the number 10 in Emmanuel Reynoso's spot. If you're not comfortable with how Longwane's been playing or how Abu Dinati plays, and just the lack of consistency that you get out of those guys as starters. Say you move Robin Lode back out to the right. You bring in Audrey Nunu as the number 10. You move Emmanuel Reynoso out to the left-hand side in place of Franco Fragapane, who has not had a good season. I think that's easy to say. He's just 
not really been all that great this year. And you put Luis Amaria top. See, now you have your three designated players on the field. I don't think that matters in this situation, but just go with it. You have your three designated players on the field. Do you think that's a better attacking option than what we've had the past couple weeks where you're not getting a whole lot out of the wings and Robin Lodes is scoring goals, but you're taking away from your wing play to get it? No. No? No. You have this thing where you want your DPs on the field. And normally, for me, that's normally that's that's the right thing to say. But I, I would rather put up with uh, Longwane still learning and trying to figure it out on the wing and leave Robin up top. I really, I really don't. I don't. I don't. There's all I care about is that our number nine scores goals, and right now nobody's even close to doing what Robin's doing up there. Right. So. If you want to bring on extra offense at the you know late in the match, yeah, I agree with that completely. You had nothing to lose against New York City, so yeah, bring everybody on. But I still would have left Robin up top, just but because the he's only the only one that's he's the only one that's proven he could score. Right, right. He's the only one. There's nobody else. I want somebody else to to score goals, and and they've all had chances. I mean, it's it's not like they're they haven't had a chance. Um, but every time you put Robin up there, he's – I mean, there's a reason why he has six goals and the next most is what? Amaria has two? <laughs> well, what, what, yeah, what do you – I mean, show, show somebody pick – a, pick a soccer mind from anywhere in the world where soccer's huge and say, take a look at this, uh, this stat sheet for this club. Who's the striker? They're going to say number want- 17 is clearly your, your goal scorer. Clearly. There's not even a discussion. There's nobody yeah. else. Leave and him up me, there. For me, it's not the the whole designated player aspect of it. I could care less what, what their status is on the team. It's just you brought these guys in to be strikers, and let's just get them on the field. And what's been on the field has been working because Robin Lode has been scoring yeah. all the goals, but you're also taking out a large chunk of the rest of your offense to get that to happen. How much can you re- really rely on Robin Lode to continue but, doing that while you have no other, uh, basically you have, you have barely anybody else providing for him other than Emmanuel Reynoso. And we've seen how teams have started to shut down or close down Emmanuel Reynoso. If there's no one else that's providing an offensive threat, you're going to get shut out. And like they did against New York, you're going to get shut out a lot more times than you are going to score goals. If right. your only and, two and, and, options okay. of your attacking four are so, so are they able to are they able to focus and 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 collapse on uh, Emmanuel Reynoso? Because why is it? Because nobody's scoring goals. Is it because uh, I mean? Because there's no other offensive threat. There's okay, nobody else so, that the defense right. is afraid of. So the pro, so so so. But if you're saying let's let's keep giving you know Luis Amaria more time or Adrian Anu more time. I got to tell you, then all I'm going to do as a defensive team is go, okay, we still don't have anything to worry about. We're still going to collapse down on Emmanuel Reynoso. It all Uh, just seems like a bunch of bad options at this point. Clearly there's got to be be some transfers coming this June. You would hope that something's going to happen in the transfer market, that they're going to move some guys out, they're going to bring some guys in. I have no inside knowledge of whether that's going to happen or not, but you would think with how this season has gone so far that yeah. there's got to be talks about moving some guys out that just aren't performing for you and bringing guys in who can. I know but you're I, cutting bait on some guys really quickly, but 
at this point, that's a lot of money that you're just kind of throwing down the drain here of guys you expect to do something. They're just not doing it. I'm just, I'm just done trying to create a, a consistent goal score out of the guys we have. I'm just, I'm just tired of watching it. It's frustrating. And it just, to me, I don't see it. It's not, I don't, I don't see it happening. And, and that's why I'm saying you got one guy in this team that has showed any ability to score goals on any kind of consistent basis. Leave him alone. Let him try and carry this team into the playoffs. As far as yeah, would would I, in an ideal world would it be better if Robin Lude was on on the on the right wing? Yes, but you know, unfortunately, you know he's needed somewhere else, and Longwane is going to have to get better. Um, you know, uh, Ethan Finlay would be nice to have right now, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, who do, I, you know what? And, and by the way, I was so happy for Ethan when he he left because he wanted to go someplace. He wanted to start. He wanted to play regularly. Good for him. Great guy. Uh, I miss him. But I never thought we'd be saying we need him. I, I, I thought we might say yeah. we miss him, but I never thought we'd say right now we really need him. And that's kind of the way I feel about it. You know, he he's he'd be great to have right now. But yeah. um, you know what? You got a couple weeks off. It's everything will be fine. Yeah, they'll get it figured <laughs> out. They got time to be your best every day. You need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. All right, so let's uh, move on from the disappointment that has been the last week in Minnesota United Soccer. Let's take a look across the league. Plenty of news and uh, results to talk about this weekend, but let's get to the biggest news of the day. Charlotte FC, just 14 games in to their uh, 10-year or 14 games into being a Major League Soccer franchise, and they've already parted ways with their coach. Miguel Angel Ramirez <laughs> is gone after 14 games, despite getting his Charlotte FC side up into our near playoff uh, playoff spots, sitting on, if I'm looking at it correctly, 16 points, just two points behind Inter-Miami for the last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Team that's not playing terribly. I mean, they were up 1-0 over Seattle on the road this weekend, but then found out just like everybody else has, Seattle's a second half team and Seattle came back to win 2-1. But Charlotte weren't playing terrible soccer, but they decide to part ways with, with their head coach after 14 games. Your thoughts? Uh, it's got to be something we don't know, right? That's that's the prevailing thought. So I'm yeah, there's the, got to be. The, the owner, David Tepper, who also owns the Carolina Panthers, and I'll get to my thinking about that in a second, uh, said, mm-hmm. this is a difficult decision, but one we feel is best for the team at this time. I want to thank Miguel and his staff 
for their hard work during our first season and wish them the best in their future endeavors, yada, yada, yada. Uh, let's put it this way. The Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. since David Tepper took over as their ownership, have not been the most well-run organization in the NFL, have been a joke of a franchise, in fact, since he took over <laughs> for as the owner of the Panthers in the NFL. Now, everybody thought this guy is the ri- one of the richest, if not the richest owner in, the, in Major League Soccer. He's going to come in and spend a boatload of money, and he tried to do that, and it didn't seem like it was working. And Miguel and, and Hal Ramirez, if you'll remember, had the comment, had the quote before the season started that this team is bleep. All right. It's bleeped. So he wasn't happy with the roster build. So clearly there was some shots sent towards the front office's way. They clearly didn't like that, and they felt that, with this two-week break, this was a good time to move on. But I don't think David Tepper runs a good organization. From the Panthers to now Charlotte FC, I think this is all on him, that it's just a madhouse in there because it's a madhouse with the Panthers. <laughs> it's got to be a madhouse with the MLS team. I just don't think he's a great owner. I'm sure, he's got a ton of money, and he's willing to spend it, which is good, and you want that in this mm-hmm. league. But it just doesn't seem like it's all been really smooth sailing with Charlotte since they joined. So is it a problem because the owner is too involved? Or is the problem um, the owner doesn't have the right people and doesn't let them do their job? Um, I'm kind of thinking that maybe he's too involved. I don't think it's too involved. I think it's just he doesn't hire the right people. Because you look at how the Panthers are run. They've got got what – I can't remember the head coach's name, but he was given a massive seven-year contract after turning around Baylor after they had the – after all that happened there. And they gave a college coach a seven-year contract, which a lot of people in the NFL were like, what the hell are you doing giving a college coach a seven-year NFL contract? He's got no NFL experience whatsoever. And you give him that much leash, and it's gone as predictably bad as they thought it would. Uh, I just don't think he's hiring the right guys for the roles uh, in the Panthers or Charlotte FC, it seems. Well, when you you have the money to own a professional sports team in any league, you can – you can do what you want, and yep. you know uh, the 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 good ones hire good people and stay out of it as much as possible, and the yep. bad ones uh, don't hire good people and they're way too involved. You know what? In a perfect world, you really shouldn't know the you shouldn't even know who the owner is, right? You know what yeah, I mean? It should be, be like who is the owner? I don't know because yeah. he's hired good people and things are going well. Usually, you see when owner's name comes up a lot. I, normally that's not really good. Yeah. You don't want yeah. the Jerry Joneses of the world. No, you want owners that own and uh, he hires the people to run the team. So, yeah. All right. Looking across some of the results from this weekend, LAFC San Jose was as predictably wild as we thought it was three, two, a lot of the, a lot of those goals being scored. And if I remember correctly from doing the broadcast were scored in the first half. Yeah. It looks like yeah. four of them uh, were scored in the first half and the fifth one was scored two minutes into the second half. So, Predictably wild <laughs> there uh, between the first place team in the West and I think like the 12th place team in the West. Sporting Kansas City losing once again 1 0 to Vancouver Whitecaps, which is just wow. Van- Sporting Kansas City season is just terrible. I think there's no other way to say it other than it's just an awful season. They sit last place in the Western Conference, just two points above Chicago for the worst record in the entire league. I don't think going into the season, any even though they were missing Alan Polito, their number nine, mm-hmm. their DP number nine, the guy who they, they brought in to bring in the goals, yeah, they were going to miss him because of an injury. I don't think they anybody would have predicted Sporting Kansas City would have gone season would have gone this badly right out the gate. 
I didn't hear anybody talking about that. I mean, I think I think there was a lot of talk about that they would they would be down a little bit, but I don't think. No, I didn't hear anybody talk about them being this bad. So there again, there's another situation where you uh, you lose a you lose a key player, and um, you know somehow mentally this club just lost their confidence early. And you know I know we're we're not even midway through the season yet, but you know. Boy, if you're going to make, if you're going to turn this thing around, you better get going fast because even a club like Seattle that uh, spotted themselves in a big hole, uh, they've got quite a battle on their hand to recover. So um, it's not in, in this league because of the number of draws and the balance in the league, which is is pretty impressive at times how well balanced this league is and how tight it is every mm-hmm. playoffs. It's tough to make up ground quickly. Yeah. You just you look can't. At, you look at Seattle when they, when they uh, won the CONCACAF champions league, they were sitting, if I remember, they were sitting, I think in what are they? They're 10th now. I think they were sitting in 12th in the Western conference. They've won three of the five games league games since they, since they won the CONCACAF champions league and they've only gained two spots. Now, granted, they now just sit two points out of a playoff spot because Houston sits right. at seventh on 18 points, but it's taken them this long just to even get back, get that close to a playoff spot. Just because, yes, just to get in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just so and hard to that, spots. That's what makes what, what Minnesota United did last year with their horrible start. And then up until uh, the last couple of weeks, we're, we're still in the hunt for a uh, home field playoff spot. And and that's why when people get so down on this club and fans get so so frustrated, it's like just remember what this team did last year without a number nine, without scoring a lot of goals. So you know, if you want to look at it optimistically, this club has gotten a lot accomplished without a bona fide goal scorer. And I don't know when they're going to get one, but you know. <laughs> Thank God that they're still competitive because, you know, uh, great defense will keep you competitive for a lot longer than, you know, a team that has a couple of great goal scorers but no defense. Uh, that may be exciting and fun to watch goals being scored, but eh, it's tough. It's a tough way to do it. So I, I just think that, you know, what what we did last year, what the club did last year was pretty impressive after that terrible start. And Seattle's trying to do a similar type of thing and – they're they're a great club and, and they're finding it difficult. So, uh, but I think they will eventually. They'll keep climbing slowly. And but that's the way it is in this league. You can't do quick turnarounds. It it takes time uh, to move in the standings in this league. So yeah, uh, a team that I think you predicted would start crumbling has started crumbling. If you want to look at their past five matches, Austin FC losing four one to the LA Galaxy. An LA Galaxy team that had struggled to score goals going into that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get a 4-1 win over Austin FC. Austin FC over their last five league matches. One win, one draw, three losses. They're still sitting high up in the standings, though. They're still sitting up in uh, fourth place in the Western Conference. But that place up at the top, fighting for number one with LAFC, has definitely faded away a little bit here now. Yeah. Uh, as predictably as it was, you looked at their schedule early on this season they are facing. A uh, bunch of softer competition, if you want to look at it that way, and they're feasting on it, and then they go into their harder part of their schedule, and they're starting to struggle now. Well, they're they're, they're maybe they're the team I was just talking about. Um, 
Do you want a team that has the a couple of a few people scoring goals? They have got they're really hot. They're on a roll. They're scoring goals, but your defense is suspect. What happens when you get into the middle part of the season and and things get tough? You know, if if your goal scorers go into a little bit of a drought, but your defense is still good, you're still in the matches. If your defense is poor and you're counting on scoring three or four a match to get wins, and then all of a sudden you stop scoring goals, it gets ugly fast. So, uh, you know, I think they might be a good example of what I was just talking about. So, yeah. and, and you knew they couldn't continue to score the goals at the pace they were. It wasn't. It just wasn't going to happen. And uh, now they're finding out what happens that, you know, when, when your guys that were carrying you struggle a little bit, it gets tough to fill those spots. Because as we know, there's not a lot of goal scorers running around this league looking for jobs. Right. <laughs> they're all pretty well employed. Absolutely. Uh, that'll wrap it up for our look across the league. We'll skip the predictor this week because a little uh, side note here. We will not be recording a podcast for the next two weeks. Uh, just like the league, we'll take a little bit of a break here. Uh, take some time off from Minnesota United Talk. Uh, kind of catch our breath here after the opening of the season. Kind of regroup and then come back after the New England Revolution game. So we'll, predict, we'll, we'll skip the predictor this week since there's no league games for the next couple weeks. It's all just international play. Um, we're not going to predict any of that yet. Uh, so we'll come back in two weeks and discuss kind of the U.S. men's national team, how they played over their four games. We'll discuss the Minnesota United-New England Revolution match that takes place on the, I'm trying to remember the exact date of that one. Uh, Give me one second. The 19th. So we'll come back the day after and talk about that one. So we'll skip ahead now in our normal proceeding to write that down. If you haven't been listening to us, write that down as our weekly soccer-related prediction segment. We'll each make three soccer-related predictions. One of those has to be a Minnesota United-related prediction. We'll keep track of the correct predictions throughout the year and call those goals, and the person with the most goals at the end of the season will win the coveted golden boot. Dan, I'll start with you in the accountability session where we go over past picks and discuss whether they were wrong or right. You had only two come off the board. Unfortunately for you, they were both negative. You said last week uh, Dane St. Clair will win the Bell Bank Man of the Match on Saturday against New York City FC. Well, Kamar Lawrence won it, so you were wrong there. And then on you said on Wednesday either Tyler Miller or Eric Dick will have a clean sheet. Well, they lost two to one, so no clean sheet there for Eric Dick, who was the goalkeeper that night. So I felt really still... good. I felt really good about both of those two. <laughs> I really did. Yeah, it unfortunately didn't work out for you. You're still stuck on ten goals right now this season, Dan. I had a couple come off the board. I said earlier this year Minnesota will go to at least the U.S. Open Cup semifinal this year, and. Thank you, Omaha. That didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> your Dane St. Clair winning the Bell Bank Man of the Match pick uh, rope-a-doped me into making the immediate reactionary pick of saying Emmanuel Arnoso will win the Bell Bank Man of the Match. Well, since Kamar Lawrence won it, neither of us got a point for that one. I should have just said, I'll take the field on that one. You should have stuck with whatever you were going to pick before that. I should have just should have gone with the field on that one. <laughs> would have been a much better pick. Somebody uh, else. <laughs> but So those two were wrong for me. I did have two that were correct. I said at least one of Union Omaha, Louisville City SC, or Sacramento Public will get through to the next round of the U.S. Open Cup. Well, Union Omaha, since they won, they got through. I don't remember if either of the other two got through. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, and then I did say Minnesota United 2 will continue their unbeaten run against Colorado 2 on Sunday. They won 5-1, to one, so they just smashed them out of the they park. Smashed, the they blew them out, side. yeah, they did. Yeah, so 
I got that one right. So now I'm up to nine goals on the season. I've closed the gap a little bit. Nine to ten, Dan. Last week I started first. I will let you start this week, sir. Okay. I I was going to – I didn't do my research. Do you know when the next uh, transfer window opens? Is it after the international break? I think it's beginning of July. Maybe. Is it not till the beginning? Okay. I, I know it's either late June or early July. It doesn't matter because – but all I'm, all I'm predicting is uh, my write that down to start with is Tyler Miller will be – gone from the club in the next transfer window. Okay, because I think your next one isn't going to come through. I think I think you're right. I think it's Secondary it's, transfer uh, window, Thursday, July 7th through Thursday, August 4th. So, yeah. Uh, yep. Well, I guess that goes back to another one of your predictions from earlier this season. You said Tyler Miller will not be a member of the Loons by June 1st. Well, he's still in the Loons, and he'll still be there until right. July so 7th. I'm gonna lose, so, so I'm going to lose that one. Yeah. Um, but so now I'm just saying the next, the next, right. So he's the, nothing's happening then. So the next transfer window, the July transfer window, he will be gone. All right. So write that down. down. And that's something we've talked about before you and I. So, yeah. So earlier this season, I said, Tyler Miller will be traded to Atlanta United after you said your previous Tyler Miller one. Well, I'm going to cover myself here. I'm going to cover my bases here. I'm going to make another Tyler Miller related prediction. Tyler Miller, write this down, Dan, will be traded to the New England Revolution. Oh, you're going to pick a team? Wow. a second team here. So if he goes goes to Atlanta, I'm right there, and I get this one wrong. If he goes to New England, I'm right here, and I get the Atlanta one wrong. I don't care. I'll get a point either way if either one of those happens. I just think with with both of those situations, Atlanta needs a goalkeeper uh, because they're – Brad Guzan got injured, and our old friend Bobby Shuttleworth is there. How much longer do they want to rely on uh, big old Bobby there? And then right. New England, Tyler or uh, Matt Turner is going to be going off to Arsenal here in a couple weeks. They're going to need a new goalkeeper in charge. I don't know that they're going to go with their second string goalkeeper who they've had through the first part of this season because he didn't really perform all that well. Tyler Miller's there, not playing. He is a bona fide number one goalkeeper in this league. Some team is going to come calling for him. And as we talked about earlier in the show, the Loons need attacking talent. Uh, could you trade Tyler Miller for attacking depth? I think he could. I think that's there. Whether I don't see why that, not. Whether you want to get game, but, whether you want to get yeah. a draft pick, he's there to be traded, up there to be traded. You might as well cash in now before you lose him. But who's going to do What are you going to – yeah, I, I, I like that idea, but what are you going to get? I don't know. Are we going to get another <laughs> guy? Are we get another guy that, you know, you run out there for, for a couple of weeks and realize he's not the guy either? I don't know. I guess you gotta keep trying, right? Can't give up. <laughs> you can't keep going with so. the same stuff you've had so far this season because it just hasn't worked. You gotta add something new. Yeah. All right. So that's my write that down, Dan. Your second one. Uh, LAFC and New York City FC are one are the number one teams in the East and the West. That's where they will end up at the end of the regular season. That's a pretty good. Write that down. With how both of those teams have played this season, that would be a very good prediction for the end of the season because they have played really well. I, I imagine think, they'll continue yeah. playing well. I don't uh, think either team's going to fall. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected LAFC to bounce back as quickly as they have. After last season, how it went, and uh, losing Bob Bradley, your head coach, for the first four or five years of, of LAFC. And then you bring in Steve Trundle, who's never had top flight management uh, history, and he comes in and just gets his team firing back once again at the top yeah. of the Western Conference. That's been very... Very impressive. Impressive turnaround for them. So, yeah. Yeah. Write this down, Dan. The U.S. men's national team have four matches 
from now until when we speak again, uh, they will have at least one player score at least three goals in those four matches. So three goals over the period of four games from one player. One player will score. Okay. All right. At least three goals. Okay. So you're feeling that they're going to score some goals, obviously, in this uh, in this round. So Yep. Write that down. Okay. Writing that down. All right. Going back to the standings. Right now, Chicago is in last place in the East. Kansas City is in last place in the West. They, too, will be in those positions when the season ends. Wow. Sporting Kansas City is not a good year. Everything else in between will be moving around. <laughs> Except the top and the bottom. They're just going to be at the same at the end. I like it. <laughs> All right. Final write that down prediction of the week. Another U.S. men's national team one, Dan. Write this down. The U.S. men's national team will get at least two clean sheets in their next four matches. Defense is a little bit of a worry Ooh. since they lost some, uh, They lost a couple defenders to injury. Uh, so that's always been a question. They are losing a goalkeeper in Zach Steffen. He's not going to be at camp this, this round. Matt Turner will be there. They've had... We've got a couple other good goalkeepers there, but defense is a little bit of a worry, so the defense is going to step up and get a couple okay. of clean sheets in their next four matches. Write this down. The U.S. men's national team will get at least two clean sheets in their next four matches. Okay. Write that down. That has been Write That Down, and that has been Loon Talk for this if weekend, you, as I mentioned. If you had given that last one first, I'm, you might have got me to counterpunch on that. <sighs> Well, the Tyler Miller one, and I felt like following it up. So, like the flow worked a little better that way. But the flow. All right. So, as I mentioned earlier, just a little bit ago, we won't be back here next week or the following week. We will be back uh, recording on the twentieth of June. The podcast will come out that night or early that morning on the twenty-first. Uh, but you can listen to us for the New England Revolution broadcast, uh, June nineteenth at New England Revolution, seven p.m., six thirty p.m kickoff or pre-match show on 1500 ESPN, 1500ESPN.com and the Score North mobile app. Dan, I will talk to you in a couple weeks, sir. All right. I'll leave you with stop flopping and get up your fine. He knows he once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.